Hey, soccer fans, welcome back to Sons of a Pitch Soccer Central. I am your host, Nick, and I am looking forward to talking all things MLS Week 17 on this Monday night, June 27th. And there is a lot to talk about both on and off the pitch, especially in a little town out on the West Coast called Los Angeles. We're going to get to all the headlines out there. And for tonight's show, we're going to first do the recap of the MLS scoreboard and cover those headlines. And in the second half, our team profile this week stays out west and turns to Real Salt Lake, my surprise team of the season so far. And if we get into stoppage time, we got some few programming announcements and we'll take some questions live from our viewers again if we have time. So make sure you like the video, subscribe to the channel, stay tuned, and let's hit that intro. Welcome back once again, soccer fans, MLS fans, and all of our followers, our SO peeps. It's great to be with you once more talking my favorite league, my favorite sport, MLS, Major League Soccer here in the United States. As I mentioned, we are going to get into our recap, looking at all the scores and using those as uh, jumping off points to get some of the team news and the league highlights. And then we're going to get into the second half of our show looking at the surprise team of the MLS season so far, Real Salt Lake. So without further ado, make sure you hit that like button, subscribe to the channel, share the link, and you know what? If you like what we're doing, help support the channel, send over a super chat, send over a donation, uh, email us at sonsofapitchsoccer at gmail.com if you want to jump on our sponsor list and put out some sponsored content. We're happy to do it. We're happy to talk because all the money that we bring in from this channel goes right back into the channel for better content, better graphics, better sound, better everything. Helps pay our StreamYard bills, helps pay our hosting bills, all that good stuff. So we take what you give us and we give it right back. Without further ado, maybe I have said that twice already. Let's get into our weekly recap. And it was Friday, June 24th, where things kicked off with FC Cincinnati hosting Orlando City. And Orlando City comes up short. I thought they'd have more offensive firepower in this match, but rather it's Cincinnati squeezing out a 1-0 victory at home. And as FC Cincinnati players, management coaches, everyone said this one was for the fans. They needed this win to reward their fans for the support they've got, not just this season, but all MLS seasons, because since he is finally not the wooden spoon favorite, that's progress, folks. That is progress. It gives teams like Chicago and D.C. some hope. Anyway, Cincinnati actually uh, has set their MLS regular season win record with this win. I think they're at seven wins. And heck, we're only halfway through the season. So this is going to be a record-setting season for Cincinnati, no matter how you look at it. We got some people jumping in the chat already with us. H.J.U. Rodriguez, good to have you along. He says, Real Salt Lake. Welcome to Salt Lake City. Absolutely, man. Glad you saw the graphic. Glad you saw uh, Pablo Mascherani, their head coach, on the little thumbnail getting ready for it. You know what we're here to talk about. Connor knows soccer. Hey, Nick. Hey, Connor. Great to see you again, man. Uh, as well as Red Bull Insider. Hey, back at you. Glad you're here to join us. Tough break for Red Bulls this week, but you know what? We're going to get into it a little bit. They played a pretty good game, all things considered. 
So like I said, Friday night, since he beats Orlando, one nothing, And then we move into the Saturday slate of games on June 25th. Opener, big matchup out west. Well, at least it normally would if Kansas City wasn't having such a dreary regular MLS season and maybe wasn't looking ahead to their next U.S. Open Cup matchup. Seattle hosts Kansas City and rolls them 3-0. No surprises here. Seattle now back above the playoff line after a slow start to the season due to CONCACAF Champions League. But again, that's not surprising. Seattle in the playoff picture? Yeah, that's uh, about as regular as a German train schedule. Right? That's the phrase. Did I get that right? Never, never actually used it. Anyway, Seattle is back in the playoff picture, and I would assume that Kansas City is focused on rotating the squad for the U.S. Open Cup, and we're going to talk about that in just a little bit as well. Next game, D.C. Ooh, poor D.C. Even though they get the announcement that they're going to host next year's All-Star game, they fall to Nashville in D.C. 3-1. to Now, Taxi Fontes, one of D.C.'s bright spots this year, gets the goal, but Nashville gets the win. And uh, Mike, I know you're out there. If you're not watching live, I know you're going to listen to this later. You see who opened up the scoring in the sixth minute for Nashville? One of our favorite players to talk about, maybe not in the best regard. Uh, Daniel Lovitz opens it up. And yes, we've had a lot of fun at Daniel Lovitz's expense when he was in the U.S. men's national team picture. But there's no denying he's a solid MLS player and his numbers back it up. Next game, Montreal hosts Charlotte, defeats them 2-1. to one. Great win for Montreal without Mihailovic. They're getting back to that early season form that saw them shoot up to the top of the Eastern Conference. Meanwhile, some news out of Charlotte. Uh, Alan Franco is set to leave for an Argentinian club, Talleres, or Talleres. Uh, so he will be departing. Charlotte's going to kind of maybe move a little of their roster around. Uh, after the fact that they let go of their original coach, and uh, maybe they didn't like the style of play. Maybe Franco didn't want to be a part of that organization anymore, and the transfer is the best thing for him. Next match, we go north of the border, where Toronto hosts and defeats Atlanta United 2-1. to one. I was surprised that Atlanta only scored one goal here. Yeah, I know they were away in Toronto at and BMO places, you know, not an easy place to go into and play. But I thought their offense was going to get click in, especially against a suspect Toronto backline. However, TFC got a hand it to him, especially Jonathan Osorio. That first goal was nice. He looked like he was dancing his way through the defenders and finding the back of the net, just banging it home. Um, Arujo gets one back for Atlanta, and that's two games in a row where he scores a goal. But unfortunately, Joseph Martinez could not follow suit like last week. And again, they dropped points in Toronto. Now, Preso... For TFC, great game winner, excellent first-time strike. But what really got to me was that celebration. The entire team piled on each other, and it looked like there was a collective sense of relief from the TFC players that they get the lead, and even after full-time when the three points were won, they're hugging each other, they're giving each other high-five. They really have a sense of relief in getting three points and securing it. They're only five points off the playoff line, but I wonder if something is changing in their mindset, and maybe it has something to do with Insigne coming in over the next week or two, and maybe he'll be able to pick things up even more. Speaking of TFC, right on cue, Jason Jardim. What's up, my friend? Great to have you back with us live in the chat. I know you enjoyed that TFC game 
for many, many reasons. And for all of our viewers and listeners out there, uh, go find Jay on Twitter. Jay, if you want to leave your um, your Twiddle ha- handle in the chat, because he had some great pictures uh, from the game. And as he says, Preso has been through so much, and he needed that so bad for his confidence. Man, an average TFC team should be fighting for a playoff spot, but a confident TFC team with Insigne coming in, is it too much, you think, Jay, to count them out of a, a top four spot? Maybe they sneak into that four spot. I don't know if they can catch NYC, Philly, or the Red Bulls, but maybe they knock Montreal out. I know you'd like nothing more than to see that. Um, or are they just going to just try and fight to get in? We'll see what happens. Also, we got Brother BKL, our sport attainment guy. Welcome back, Brother BKL. Always great to have you live and in the chat. Um, and to answer my question, Jay, very timely of you. Uh, thanks. Uh, he says seven at best. He thinks they can sneak into that seven spot. Um, and for your sake, for TFC fans' sake, I hope that's the case. And if you want to give Jay a follow, he's at jjardim 29 and you can follow him on Twitter, see all his great TFC pictures and things when he attends the games, and uh, also all the retweets of everything TFC and Canadian soccer. Ooh, a rumor, Jay, a rumor you don't say. We'll have to keep our eyes and ears open, and we'll follow along on your Twitter account to see what news you can help share so we can stay up to date on all things north of the border in MLS. Now, moving on to the next game, we are going south, not south of the border, but almost in Houston, where they host the Chicago Fire coming off their first win in in 10 prior matches, and then the Chicago just back to their losing ways as they fall to Houston 2-0. As our good friend of the show, John Donovan, texted me during that game, Chicago is an USL team. Yeah, they they look pretty poor. They did not have a good game. And you'll hear more about that from John's halftime recap uh, if you subscribe to the podcast. We will feature that content there. So make sure wherever you get your podcasts that you subscribe to Sons of a Pitch, Soccer Central, or an American Soccer Podcast, and you will hear John's recap of that. Um, Just a quick note on Chicago Fire. Defender Wyatt Omsberg is out long-term, they've said, after surgery to repair ligaments in his left foot. And this is a huge blow to the fire. A team that was kind of steadying themselves on defense. A player like Omsberg, who was a fringe player last year who got an opportunity and really ran with it this year. Uh, he was having a near all-star season. Some people were thinking he might be a dark horse all-star pick, um, especially next to Chihos. However, the foot injury against that DC game uh, prior to this Houston game was tough. And I was at that DC game and he could barely walk off the field. It, it hurt to see him like walk both emotionally and physically myself, how he was limping. Next match up, Miami 2, Minnesota United 1. And Indiana Vasilev, the loney from Aston Villa, take a bow. He had two goals, which would be great. You know, two goals in a game. That's a great move. No, he had two goals in the last three minutes of regulation for Miami to seal the come-from-behind victory against Minnesota United. Now, he was subbed in for Lasseter in the 83rd minute and then has two goals in that time span. Fantastic game by Vasilev, no doubt. But I also really liked watching Ariel Lasseter, and he's playing pretty well. He's really found himself in Miami after struggling to find some consistent form in Houston. And I, and I liked him in Houston. I'm pretty sure he came from Houston. I liked him there, especially son of uh, Roy Lasseter, is it? Probably. 
now my mind is going because I'm just spitting names out here. Um, USMNT player as well as MLS player. And, you know, Ariel, was it USMNT? Now I'm doubting myself. Guys, let me know in the chat. Where are the Lassiter's from? What's going on here? Um, but anyway, Ariel Lassiter finally finding his consistency in his form with Miami. Had a really good game uh, up until the point he was subbed out. And I don't know who Miami's color commentator is, but early on in the game, Lassiter made a really speedy run up the wing, and the commentator calls him, compared him to a rabbit on a hot date. Now, that might be one of the most off-color color commentary that I've heard, and I don't know if I should throw that into my lexicon there. A rabbit, he's moving so fast, he's like a rabbit on a hot date. Um, one other little thing that I really liked about this game uh, in the 92nd minute, Miami had the ball in the offensive third, and Vasilev rips another shot to attempt the hat trick. Meanwhile, there's like a wide open Gonzalo Iguain, not like eight yards from him, and he's looking at him like, why not just pass me the ball, man? But that I love that, that Vasilev, this Aston Villa lone to the MLS, is like, now I'm going for the hat trick. Mr. Iguain, you just, you just wait your turn. I loved it. It was fantastic. Next game up, RSL plays Columbus to a 0-0 draw in Salt Lake City. Looked like a fairly even match. I didn't get a chance to watch a lot of this game, but the statistics suggest it was an even match. And we'll talk more RSL in the second half of this show. And actually, guys, programming announcement, we're going to be talking a little bit more Columbus Crew next week. And if, if all the logistics work out, we'll have Connor McCabe joining us to talk a little bit about his hometown team. And then to wrap things up on Saturday, we had Portland 3, Colorado 0, and I did not think Portland had three goals in them. Uh, but Nishgoda, he proved me wrong. He bagged the brace on the night. And if Portland, like if you look at where they were getting their shots, especially their goals were coming from like within like eight or nine yards. If Portland can continue to create those high percentage chances, it, especially at home, you win your home games, you play like that on home, win a couple, steal some points on the road, and they're going to be in good shape getting ready for a playoff run. Um, now here's the crazy thing. Portland, who I thought was dead and Colorado, who was kind of having a bit of a down year, but still a competitive team. They're both right now sitting at 19 points, four points below the playoff line. So they are right in the mix of things in the Western conference. And, uh, I, for some reason I got a little soft spot in my heart for Portland. Not sure what it is, but I just like seeing them do well. Maybe it's just the great facial expressions from Gio Savarese on the bench. They're always worth watching. Um, or maybe it was Diego Valeri and Sebastian Blanco playing so well over their time together. And Blanco's still doing it. He gets the third goal in this game as well. Uh, so I, I got a soft spot for Portland. Maybe it's something about the Northwest. Who knows? Um, before we jump into Sunday's game, let's take a quick look uh, about the comments in the chat. And we got spitting fire with us. Great to have you along with us, man. If you guys are are just fans of some just great, fun soccer content, go follow Spit and Fire. He also does a lot of video game play. So follow him. Loves the fire. Loves his video games. A Chicago guy through and through. And he says, uh, Olmsberg was good, but not all-star good without Chihos drop-off. And, you know, you're probably right. It's hard not to talk about Wyatt Olmsberg and get all emotional and really over oversell him a little bit. I'm loving it. Um, but you're, you're right. Chihos really is the, if there was an all-star along that back line, it would definitely be Chihos. And Hey fans, have, have you gone out? Have you voted? Uh, the MLS all-star voting is open. Uh, let me know in the chat who your all-star 
email it to me. I'll feature it in the next episode, sonsofapitchsoccer at gmail.com. Uh, send me your all-star lineup, and we'll, we'll get the conversation going here. Spit and fire, always great to see you, man. Take care. Now, a new Wiseman says, MLS bending financial rules again. Are you talking about LAFC? Because they didn't actually bend any financial rules from what I've been reading, and we're going to get into that in a minute. But if there's something else that you want to point out, please let us know in the chat. Connor No Soccer says, LAFC is the MLS baby and poster child. They'll bend the rules for LAFC. See, now that's kind of funny because it used to be that was the Galaxy. The Galaxy was the team that had the first DP and David Beckham. Of course, that makes sense. They were the one that used to get four DPs at a time and then, you know, shuffle them around and get rid of them without any consequence. It used to be that everyone said that the Galaxy got the benefit of the doubt from the league. But now, LAFC? I haven't seen too much of that outside this chat. So let me know if you guys are, are hearing that as well. Um, but you know what? We'll, we'll see how the league goes and, and how the league responds. Honestly, if I'm the other teams in the league, if I'm the other franchises, I'm not going to get all sore about LAFC doing this. I am going to get motivated to do it myself. And hopefully that drives the, not only the ceiling higher, but the floor higher in this league. So we get to see a lot more signings like this triumvirate of Vela, Bale, and Cialini. Oh, sorry. I was, did I spoil things a little bit? Did I spoil what's coming up next? Um, one final thought on, on this Saturday game recap. Connor talks about the crew in RSL. He says, the scoreline doesn't show how the game went. Both teams had multiple chances, just couldn't hit the target. Hopefully, uh, Hernandez can solve that problem uh, for for the crew, excuse me, and hopefully RSL can maybe go out and sign somebody if they think they really want to compete this year for an MLS Cup, or hey, maybe it's just a rebuilding year for them. So, Jay, thank you. Any LA team, MLS wants the big stars in LA. Just, I'd like to see a star in Chicago. Shakiri's great. I'm loving Mueller and Jairo Torres, but it'd be nice to get a little press, a little something on the lakefront. Anyway, my hometown bias is showing again. Let's keep moving along our recap here. Uh, on Sunday, I'm going to skip the LAFC game because we're going to talk about it a little bit more. Philly hosts New York City. Beats them 2-1, and then Vancouver draws New England 0-0. Two results I did not expect. Just when you think you know the Eastern Conference, you get a game like this, where Philly somehow finds two goals after drawing seven of their prior eight games, and you've got a surging New England team who can't score against Vancouver. That's wild to me. Now, the most wild thing, though, of these results was that Philly NYCFC game. And, and for our NYCFC fans out there, let me know how you feel about the Philly athletic trainer coming out in the second half to tend to uh, an injured Philly player, gets into a shoving match with Acevedo and Castellanos, and then gets has to get restrained by his own player. I think Kai Wagner is pulling him back and throwing him off the field, and he gets red carded. Everyone's been mentioning, I, you know, I listen to the Extra Time podcast. I'm following everything on Twitter. No one can come up with a reference or a comparison or an, another time when they've seen an athletic trainer get red carded and sent off the field. But I agree with everyone else's sentiments. Only in Philly. Only in Philly, right? It was a wild, wild turn of events. Go watch the game highlights. Go see what was going on. But I'll tell you, um, the Philadelphia athletic trainer, and his name escapes me right now, he's uh, definitely changing the stereotype of athletic trainers. This dude looked like he used to do cage fights. Uh, so it, I can see why Tati Castellanos 
came up to give him a shove and then like at the last second like pulled off and just gave him like a lesser shove more of a, a strong bump because he just realized just how big this guy was anyway let's get to the big big news not just that lafc the leader in the western conference and the top team in the league defeats red bull new york two nothing not just that lafc is the first team to get to 10 wins this season and potentially show their dominance in what might be an MLS Cup matchup if the Red Bulls continue their fine run of form. LAFC gets the biggest signing in recent history, which is crazy to think when we already have Insigne, Hernandez, Shakiri, guys like that coming over. Carlos Vela gets re-signed, and that is like below-the-fold kind of news, if you know the newspaper reference there, right? Gareth Bale, the 32-year-old, formerly of Real Madrid and Tottenham Hotspur. That's right, formerly because he is now with LAFC. His contract expired this summer, and the craziest thing about it, he does not require a designated player spot for this. He's on a TAM, a targeted allocation money deal, until next season. And hey, he's fine with it. He's going to be making a boatload of cash doing commercials, doing ads, doing appearances, probably popping in a few TV shows and movies out there in the offseason, uh, not to mention probably endorsing a few different golf products around here, I would say. Now, per MLSsoccer.com, Bale has signed a 12-month contract through 2023 using TAM with options through 2024. Now, the money is one thing, but also, you know, MLS Ross rules, right? LAFC had to send Inter-Miami 75000 in GAM for next year uh, for the discovery rights, right? And it's insane to think that they've got Cellini, that they've got Bale, they re-signed Vela. Those first two guys are on TAM contracts, uh, and they'll both be eligible to play July 8th versus none other than the Galaxy, right? How fitting is that? It really is a movie script in Hollywood here, right? The two biggest signings of the season – come in just in time to play for the Galaxy. Now, will Steve Chirondolo have them uh, start those games? I don't know. Will he have them come off the bench? That would certainly be dramatic. Uh, but we will see how those lineups go. Um, to talk a little bit more about the actual game, though, you know, the Red Bulls put up a good fight. It was a good game. But when they come off a midweek matchup in the U.S. Open Cup against their cross-town, cross-river, Hudson River Derby rival, uh, New York City FC, and then they got to fly cross-country, Without Lucinius and Aaron Long, it wasn't looking good. The, the the deck was stacked against the Red Bulls, but they played a good game despite the loss. If I'm the Red Bulls, whatever. It's a loss to a cross-conference opponent, best team in the league, who just got even better. Here's the thing now, if you look at it from the LAFC side of things, if they don't win a trophy this year, and they seem to be pretty well set for the shield will they win the mls cup if they don't win any trophy it is going to be a disappointing season for them for sure now let's let's get to look into some of the comments that we've been we've been getting here and jay jumps in and says front office in chicago is the problem hard to disagree jay the way they've been signing players and just kind of whiffing lately um they're trying to reinvest in some homegrowns and some of their academy products so i get bringing them up and seeing if they can hack it in the meantime they, they just got to sign guys. They, they have no depth. And even their starting 11, as, as John Donovan said, is almost a USL team, not really an MLS team. Um, so I'm hoping Mansueto gives them another year or two and maybe an influx of cash next season when they can identify some good targets and we'll get the fire backfiring 
on all cylinders. Now, BKL, of course, jumps in on the New York City game. They were slow. They Philly got the penalty call thanks to Tinnerholm. But, you know, he says until 100 minutes, the ref didn't call second handball for, for the team. So, um, also, he jumps in about the trainer issue that says the trainer needs to respect the players. Uh, that's against the rules. And, you know, I, I, I think that's a fair point, right? What really bothered me about it, I mean, from an entertainment standpoint, it was hilarious. I was sucked in. I was loving it. I, was there, I wish there was more trainers coming off the bench from both teams, right? A trainer bench-clearing brawl here. That would have been exciting just from purely entertainment. However, like he's there to do his job, right? And I get he's trying to keep the New York player, I think it was Acevedo, off of his player who's down. Acevedo's trying to get him up and get the game moving, right? They're running out of time to try and uh, draw level. But to me, I, I wish he would have just tended to the player more, right? He was he was focused on shoving the New York City guy away um, and not actually tending to the player that was down. So that kind of bothered me a little bit. Um, but I think the referee made the right call. Red card to the trainer, yellow card to Tati. Uh, fortunately, it didn't blow up into anything else throughout the rest of the game, and they were able to move on. And New Wiseman says, Philadelphia mentality, my guy. No doubt about it, man. No doubt about it. Now, Red Bull jumps in on, on that game against LAFC. I'm not mad we lost. We played a good game. Our press was not working out this weekend. Hopefully, we can fix the press before the U.S. Open quarter final. No doubt about it. And uh, that is the perfect segue into our U.S. Open Cup quick updates here, right? New York Red Bulls beat NYCFC, as I mentioned, 3-0 midweek. Sporting Kansas City rolled over Union Omaha 6-0. So now we have Sporting Kansas City hosting Sacramento Republic in one semifinal. And in the other semifinal, Red Bulls are hosting the winner of Orlando versus Nashville. Those two teams will play this Wednesday June 29th. Then on the Canadian Championship, Toronto beats Montreal 4-0. Way to go, Reds. And Vancouver defeats York United or York 9 of the uh, uh, Canadian Premier League. So that means Vancouver will host Toronto for the 2022 Canadian Championship. And I wonder if home field is going to be that advantage that Vancouver needs with a little bit of momentum from the MLS season, right? They're, they're back up. Uh, approaching the playoff line, I, I'll say. Maybe this momentum helps them out. But then again, TFC also has a little bit of momentum going. So why don't we take a look around the league at some of the standings here. As I mentioned, here we got the scoreboard. Let me make this a little bigger for everybody here. Uh, we got the scoreboard as we run down the scores there. You can see all the results, all the goals. You know, pretty good weekend for scoring, everybody. Uh, most teams are coming away with two, three goals. Um, oh, I totally missed the Austin-Dallas game where Dallas draws Austin away two to two. And man, that was a game to watch. There was tons of energy, great goals. I really thought, like, if you watch the betting picks and predictions, like, bet the over, bet the over. I don't even remember what the line was as far as goals scored, but I'm guessing with four, they hit the over on it. Um, we know how potent both of those offenses could be. And now we scroll back up and we can see from Wednesday the 22nd, those results on the domestic cup games. So now real quick, let's take a look at the standings before we get to halftime here. In the Eastern Conference, we've got Philly, New York City, Montreal, and the Red Bulls, one through four. Only three points separating those four teams. Going to come down to the wire, another decision 
day dramatic. Then we've got Orlando, New England, and Cincinnati, five, six, and seven. Uh, Cincinnati sitting on 23 points. Miami in the eighth spot with 21 points. And uh, TFC, like I said, approaching. Uh, unfortunately for them, Miami, Cincinnati all win. New England gets the draw, so TFC really can't make up too much ground on them. Uh, but it was nice to beat the team just ahead of them in the standings. And there's Chicago down in the basement with 0.88 points per game. Fantastic. Now let's look in the Western Conference. As we know, LAFC atop the standings, 2.06 points per game. Incredible pace. Uh, 33 points on the season, like we said. 10 wins, 3 losses, 3 draws. Rounding out that top four, Salt Lake City, Austin, and Dallas. And then the other three playoff spots right now going to Nashville, the LA Galaxy, and the Seattle Sounders. Houston, two points off that line along with Vancouver. And then on down the list, Colorado, Portland, Minnesota, Kansas City, streaking a little bit, a little bit of a streak to jump ahead, San Jose, uh, who is down in the bottom of the Western Conference. So there are your standings. And just as a little extra something, there's your boy. There, there's the next big thing in MLS. Hopefully, hopefully. A lot of skeptics are saying he's got some injury history. We need to make sure Bale's taken care of and, and help them really come playoff time. And then let's help him push again for, for another couple trophies next year. Uh, but we will see how it works out. So at this point, it's fantastic to see a star who maybe is fed up a little bit with ownership of Real Madrid and maybe just some kind of that old school ownership overseas coming to MLS for the opportunities over here. All right. With that, we are going to grab a couple new comments. Uh, Red Bull says, no, we go to Nashville, Orlando. So maybe I misread that. Thank you, Red Bull Insider, for letting us know that Red Bull uh, may play away in their final or in their semifinal match. Uh, Bernardo, what's going on? Hey, bro, how are you today? I am. I'm feeling good now that I'm talking soccer. It was a struggle to get through the Monday workday. I just got the kids to bed at like 7.56, ran down here, fired up the stream, and we are enjoying the soccer chat. And yeah, New Wiseman says Mbappe was at the match as well. That's right. He was taking it in, enjoying a holiday in LA. So with that, we are going to take a quick halftime break here on the show. Uh, for those on YouTube, you'll see the sponsorship from Skira Icelandic Spring Water. By the way, go get yourself a bottle at your local 7-Eleven. It supports our sponsor who supports us. So yeah, drink water, support Sons of a Pitch. Not bad, right? Uh, also, for those on the podcast side of the things, you're going to hear from our good friend, uh, longtime supporter of the show, John Donovan, who's going to give you his Chicago Fire update and everything he saw from the last match. So we will be back in just about one minute pour yourself a drink pour yourself some ski rise landing spring water run to the bathroom stay tuned back shortly this mls weekly recap is sponsored by skira icelandic spring water available at your local 7-eleven icelandic for clear skira water comes from a spring in a nature preserve in iceland with naturally low mineral content this isn't your average water clearly Yes, pun intended. It's one of the best. Get some Skira today at your local 7-Eleven. And now it's time for our weekly Chicago Fire Update, brought to you by John Donovan. Take it away, John. Nick, John Donovan covering the Chicago Fire. Nick, uh, 
Fire played Houston on Saturday evening. They lost 2 nothing. It really was an awful game. Houston came out. They played well. And I was just thinking, how did this team get so bad under Heinz? Uh, these three years, you know, have been a struggle. He went out and signed a lot of Europeans early on um, and then traded them all away. I mean, we, we have gone through DPs. Um, when you sign a DP, they're supposed to be with the club for at least three years. And that's got to be the backbone of the team. But, um, you know, under Heinz, this team has struggled. You think they signed Barrick, um, they lost him. And he really had a fairly decent season under with Dejani um, Mahalovic. He was, I thought he was very effective that first season. Um, then uh, Wiki decided not to use Mahalovic and uh, the team struggled. But, um, and then they brought in Alceda from Argentina and he turned into a, a real uh, bad signing. So, you know, that same year they signed Offer, um, they signed Ivanov, and both of those players were supposed to come in and make an impact, and they've done nothing. Um, you know, we're just not a well-managed squad. At this point in the season, Nick, we are the worst team in the MLS. Uh, it's just hard to believe we're an original squad. Um, but, you know, you have to go back. Uh, Heinz came in. He had no experience in the MLS. Um, I'm sure that Joe Mansueto will not resign him. I mean, it's, it's an embarrassment. That game last night, um, you know, I, I, I really have to say, you know, the, the bringing in Wiki and bringing in Ezra were mistakes. It's pretty obvious that Ezra is in way over his head in this league. His first substitute, uh, Espinosa, is he, almost every game his first uh, substitute is, is Espinosa. And he puts him as a forward. He puts him as a midfield player. He's the guy that lost the Omaha game. He has not done anything for this squad all year. Why he comes keeps coming back with a guy that can't perform is beyond me. Um, the one fellow, you know, that I like, and I think he should be out there regularly, had a wonderful shot in the first half. Uh, Gutierrez, they pulled off at halftime. You know, you have to look at the our current DP. How in the earth did we pay money for Shakira? Um, the European press was laughing at the fire for paying for a guy that only played 37% of his, his games with Lions. Um, in, in the premier sheet, he had the same problem with these leg pulls. Every time he goes back with that Swiss team, you, you got to think he's not going to be playing for a while. Who knows whether he'll be on the field again. And then they signed this young man, Torres, who played well in the Mexican League, but something happened on the way up here and his hip is out. Now we had a three week break, a three week break for a professional athlete in the season and he couldn't play that fourth week. So, you know, there is something really wrong. You know, we look back, we had Barrett, uh, Alceda, Torres now, Shakira, none of these guys are performing. Shakira's two roles are penalty kicks. So where are we going with this squad? It, it really is tough to watch. I mean, you, you've got to believe that St. Louis coming in next year with their full stadium, they've got, uh, I think, 25,000 seat stadium and they've got 60,000 applications for season tickets. So they're going to be a strong team. Um, and where will the fire be? You know, you've got to believe that they're going to be like a, a new franchise squad again. It'll be a new GM. Hopefully a new coach. I was, um, I had a lot of good feelings about Ezra. I thought, you know, with the background and so forth, but 
you know, there is a big difference between sitting on the side of a head coach and being a head coach. And Ezra is, um, you know, he can't control the players on the field. Uh, he's making very poor substitutions. And even he keeps going back and starting the same people that aren't performing for the squad. It's very mystifying. Um, so, you know, in this game, the Houston game, as I said earlier, Houston came out and they're a well-coached squad. They spread the field out. Um, they took advantage of Tehran a couple of times. I mean, the first goal um, that Houston scored was a own goal by Tehran. Um, they almost got caught again on the Tehran offside. I mean, it was very close. I don't know why Ezra is uh, using Tehran. You've got Pinedo on the bench, a North Carolina graduate that does not make mistakes unless he's hurt. I didn't see him on the uh, on the injury list. So, you know, they're coming into a game this week, uh, Nick, with um, against Philadelphia Union, which under Jim Curtin is one of the really good, well-coached squads in the league. I think they're way up there on the, uh, on the standings. Um, they get rid of players. They sell them off to Europe, Premiership, uh, Bundesliga, and they've got people in their academies coming right up. So, you know, we, what's mystifying, uh, Nick, is, you know, the, the, say the Chicago Fire 2 team, they're playing all right. I mean, they've got a couple of guys that are scoring, but they're not bringing them up to the head lead. So the Chicago Fire, um, Duran has scored, what, one goal? Chabilko, I he limped off the field uh, at about the 70 minute, 70th minute of the game. So I, honest to gosh, Nick, I don't know where this, this team is going. It's it's really sad to see such a wonderful town like Chicago constantly with a team that is just out of control. I mean, this game uh, was an embarrassment. I've talked to a couple of fans today about the, the game, and they all just laughed that it, 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 uh, there was nobody coming off the bench. Um, the coach seemed mystified. Obviously, the general manager is not built for this league. Um, it, I would say at this point, if they lose Wednesday, it's definitely wait till next year, uh, Nick, which is a sad statement. So have a good night. Um, I'll be looking at this Philly game and we'll, we'll see what we can do with that. Take care. Thanks for that Chicago fire update, John. We'll talk to you next week. All right, fans. We are back for the second half of sons of a pitch soccer central on this fine fine monday evening june 27th uh, i want to thank everyone for jumping in the chat for all your comments received so far bernardo jumps in great to have you back and by the way that is my trainer code that is not mike i i've got the uh, sop graphic going on tonight so connect with me online for uh for a little you know little pokemon chat and fun as well <laughs> um and as i mentioned programming update um, we are looking to continue to expand and grow Sons of a Pitch Soccer Central, uh, hopefully with a merger of my uh, separate channel, Wife Children House, uh, coming into the SOP fold, adding that content, and then continuing our weekly recaps, Chicago Fire local coverage, uh, betting picks and predictions, uh, new website to come, and getting everything leading up to the World Cup. So now more than ever, it's important to donate either through Super Chat, through sponsorships. Uh, you can search for us on Patreon if you'd like as well to join the channel as a paid subscriber. Uh, I think the link is in the description of the video on YouTube. Go find that 
or you can email us sons of a pitch soccer at gmail.com uh, for all the details on that and support us as we make our push to be ready to give you some of the best world cup coverage and conversation around now for the second half of the show we're going to do our team profile and i've been pretty east coast heavy and eastern conference heavy i admit that we got a lot of new york fans tfc fans so that was definitely for our fans but also i watch a lot more eastern conference just because it's hard to stay up late when you got three little kids Anyway, we are going West because we've got the surprise team of the season, in my opinion, in the Western Conference, and that is Real Salt Lake. I can't believe that they are in second place. They have an eight-win, four-loss, five-draw record, but they're doing it at home. They have six wins and two draws at home. They have not lost a home game, and as you hear everyone say, that's the formula. Win at home, steal points on the road, and you will make the playoffs. You will be better than most. The other philosophy that I've heard thrown around uh, either extra time and MLSsoccer.com is find an identity. And if you can just at least play to your identity week in and week out, there will be teams that struggle who have uh, who have identity crises, who lose players and have to change things. So Real Salt Lake, I think, is also kind of holding true to that philosophy by following Pablo Mastroani's lead and just playing inspired soccer week in and week out. Because we're going to look at the numbers. We're going to look at some other headlines here. They're definitely not blowing anyone away with their star power, right? So again, we said they are 6-0-2 at home. Nearly perfect at home. On the season for offense, only 20 goals for. 19 goals against. Very balanced. Now, if you like stats, like I do... The expected goals on the season for RSL is 22.7. So they're just a little underperforming that, but their expected goals allowed is 22. So they're they're playing a little better defense than the statistical models would have expected. So they're they're about even on that. So there's really nowhere, as, as the stats people like to say, regress to the mean or overperform or whatever the case may be. If they get better players, they're only going to get better, right? If they create better opportunities, they're only going to add to these goal-scoring totals. So they can improve. I don't know if there's much room for them to drop off either, though. So they are in an excellent spot, at least when it comes to the numbers. Here's what I find even more crazy. They're doing it without star power. Demir Krylock maybe is the biggest name on that roster. He's the household MLS name. He's only made five appearances this season. There are other, other bigger names for them. Jefferson Savarino, Anderson Julio, four appearances each this season. And, and by the way, Savarino, he's the only designated player on their roster. So essentially, RSL is second place in the West to an insanely good LAFC team without a DP. They are winning in MLS without designated players. That is practically unheard of. Also going down their roster of guys who aren't in this season. David Ochoa, last year's starting goalkeeper, as well as just general crap talker, uh, he hasn't played. He's been out with injury all season. Now, I don't know if that's karma, if the soccer gods are giving him a little payback, but they're, they've played their backup goalie from last year all season, right? At least I think so. Maybe they didn't sign anybody. Anyway, I'll have to check that. Uh, also, they had signed Bobby Wood last season, and we thought maybe he needed some time to get acclimated. Nope. 
for the for the few games that he's got in the season, only three goals and an assist, and now he is actually out uh, for the remainder of the season, I believe. Let me get to, uh, yep, he's going to be out for two to three months after having surgery on an adductor. I think that's around here somewhere, the trunkish area, perhaps. Um, I'd show you, but I can't find mine anymore. That's just the product of being almost middle-aged. Anyway, uh, what else about RSL? What else is surprising? Like, no one on that team has more than five combined goals and assists. And RSL has only scored three goals in a game twice. However, they've scored two goals in a game five times. So of those seven multi-goal games, six wins and a draw. So somehow they're getting just enough offense and holding it down and winning those close games. And honestly, I, I did a quick look on fbref.com for some of the statistical comparisons against the other teams in the MLS. I didn't see RSL in the top 10 of anything. Now it was a quick rundown and there's a lot of graphs and a lot of numbers. And I didn't go to law school because I'm good with numbers. Let's be honest. Maybe that's why I like stats so much because I was terrible at it when I was younger, but I didn't see RSL in top 10 of hardly anything, if anything at all. Now that is telling that they are not, you know, they're not outperforming the best teams, at least in the numbers. And then now, okay, let's take those numbers and let's go back to the eye test, right? Because that's how I think you got to use advanced statistics. You either use it to support or find the exception to what you're witnessing on the field. And the fact that they are not ranking in the top 10 in, in most, if not all, statistical categories is very telling because they have only played two Eastern Conference teams who are currently in the top four, and they lost both of those games, one to New York City and one to Montreal. Now, when they've played the current top four teams in the Western Conference, so I'll say one through five, since RSL is sitting second, they split games with Nashville, and they beat Austin. So right now, against the tip top of the MLS, nah, they're about 500, just under, right? 400. Again, I can't do numbers. This is why I have accountants, right? Anyway, the schedule is really favorable to RSL. They still have two games. I shouldn't say is going to be favorable. It has been favorable to RSL, which is part of the reason why they are winning games, but not in the top 10 of a lot of these categories. They have two games to play against LAFC still, two games against Dallas, one more versus Austin, and they still have to travel to Seattle. Now their next three matches are at Minnesota, at home against Colorado, and then away to Atlanta. So if they're going to want to keep this top form going, this top of the West kind of form, they need to take some points because that last kind of third to half of the season is going to be a gauntlet for RSL. Now, just a few more headlines before we get to some of the co the comments. Uh, RSL headlines. Defender Aaron Herrera gets a contract extension through 2024 with options for two more seasons. Now, he's only 25. He's in his prime, and it looks like RSL have identified him as kind of a, a solid piece that they've got him now for three more seasons, four more seasons, and they don't have to worry about his position. He's solid. They can build elsewhere. And as I mentioned before, Bobby Wood is going to be out for two to three months following adductor surgery. All right. Now that was our RSL profile. Let's take a look at some of our comments. 
We'll get into our stoppage time announcements, and we'll wrap for the night, folks, because, man, I have not stopped talking. Anyway, sons of a pitch. That was my own comment. I didn't need to read that. A new Wiseman. We're probably going to struggle against NYCFC since we lost Lennon to injury six to eight weeks. Yep, that looks that that injury to Lennon uh, definitely comes as a blow. Um, Atlanta United has been suffering injuries all year, uh, all throughout the team, most notably to Brad Guzan and Miles Robinson. Um, now Brooks Lennon is out. I thought maybe the offense could kind of carry them. And as they say, you know, the best defense is a good offense, but it seems like it's just too much. Now, New Wiseman, what do you think about all these injuries with Atlanta? Is it the turf? Is it the trainer? Is it just injury-prone players, young guys who are having to play big minutes against big physical players in MLS that are getting bodied around? What do you think? Anyway, Red Bull Insider says, believe in RSL. And Brother BKL backs that statement up with RSL are the fighter and they are believed until pushed to the playoff. We will see how they do whenever they get into the playoffs, right? Um, Red Bull Insider also says, we're the opposite. If we win that away and are terrible at home. Yep, that's it for sure. Hey, we've got Soccer Mason123 jumping in the chat. He says, yo, and yo back to you. Great to have you with us, man. How, what game did you enjoy? Make sure you go back and rewatch the video to catch all the recap and all the chat. It's been fun. It's been fun. A new Wiseman, thank you for answering. He says it's the training staff that they are not up to snuff. Uh, my words, not his. Uh, the training staff is the reason why Atlanta has a lot of injuries. I'll, I'm going to throw in the turf to a certain extent. I know for me playing nonstop soccer from like age six to 24. Uh, my knees are shot because of playing on a lot of those terrible turf indoor surfaces. Uh, not like the good stuff they've got. Um, and he even says a lot of people blame the turf, but eventually we got wise. And I think there were even some moves made uh, from ownership for management to get rid of some of the training staff. So I'm, I'm with you when you have a rash of injuries like that, there's more than just the turf at stake, but I don't think the turf's helping at all. All right, BKL supports those RSL uh, matches with some stats here. 17 matches, 20 goals, 15 assists, 7 clean sheets in defending, 15.2 tackles. RSL are really great players on defense and offense. That's that's fantastic. Great stat for us. Um, hey, Bernardo, my, my Pokemon Go ID name, Potiri, P-O-T-E-R-I. There you go. Got to throw that in for the end there. So, everyone, I appreciate all the comments and appreciate you jumping on again soccer mason glad you could jump on better late than never man thank you for being here with us um i want to real quick remind everyone of programming update uh mike has been taking some time off uh for some family matters he announced it last week uh that his mother unfortunately passed away and he's going to just be taking a lot of time uh to, to spend with his wife and his kids and his extended family and as well as wrapping stuff up for that so if you want to send mike a message you, you know, you can shoot a direct message on Twitter at SOP soccer or email sons of a pitch soccer at gmail.com. Uh, Mike, whenever you watch or listen, we've got your back. You know, we support you, whatever you need. You know, the SOP community is, is here for you. Even if it is just thoughts and prayers, you know that prayers can do a lot. Um, but we do plan on Mike coming back by the end of the summer. He may surprise us and jump in and out here and there. But in the meantime, I will keep up with the weekly recaps 
with the betting picks and predictions, with some of the social media content. And we are putting together a, a bit of a merger with my wife, children, house, Chicago fire, general soccer comedy type of channel. And we're going to expand and grow with a goal of getting everything set so we can give you the best World Cup chat coverage conversation around. So I want to thank everyone who jumped in the chat. Soccer Mason, Brother BKL, new Wiseman, Bernardo Labrada, everyone else. Jay Jardim, who else Who else was jumping in earlier? Spitting Fire, HJU Rodriguez came in with the early comment this morning. Thank you, man. If you do listen, if you are, Chad, make sure you reach out to us. It'd be great to, to hear your thoughts on, on RSL. And uh, we appreciate everyone jumping in. Thank you all. Enjoy the night. Stay tuned for all the content coming up this week. Good night, everybody.
So should we do like a post credits thing here? Should we do like a, a Marvel something hinting at, at our next expansion? Nah, I, I think we'll just end it. Thanks.